Welcome everybody. Welcome to a, another video by us, Bell Vista Studios. I'm very lucky today to have a superstar, Hannah Grennan, on to interview. Uh, luckily, I get to work with you every day as well and talk to you, so the privilege is continuous. Um, so this video is basically how human-centered design can inform solutions, tasks, or priorities. And I'm going to ask Hannah some questions which will basically help demonstrate some of the ways that you can apply human-centered design to a project and we're going to choose at the healthcare industry just to niche it down and give more of a tangible um, example and to kind of set us off I'll just share that human-centered design is about putting the people that you are creating a solution for or completing a task for at the heart of your solution your analysis your decisions, your actions. So you got to figure out their needs and design a solution for them. So in this instance, because we're doing kind of a case study approach, that is either employees of the healthcare industry or patients of the healthcare industry. Thanks for being here, Hannah. Oh, thanks for having me, Kim. This is delightful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like many industries, healthcare has many challenges so I'll just throw some of those out there so they've got time constraints they've got money constraints um, they're expected to do more with less they can be too busy to innovate and improve they don't know what it's like to be in another employee's position or a patient's position they're not aware of what is working and what is not working they don't know what support is available to support employees or patients to the best of their ability or they might work in silos and lack communication between teams and strategic partners. So it can seem hard to change these things and too hard sometimes to change these things at all. So why should people put effort into a human-centered design approach for their tasks, projects, and initiatives? Oh, what a question, Kim. <laughs> human-centered design, it's honestly, the greatest thing that I have ever come across as an instructional designer. So I'll just start with before that. Before me? <laughs> before you. It's like up here, Kim. <laughs> like, yeah, very close. Okay, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, human-centered design, it has such an impact on your project. And for me, it's very clear and sort of basic, the reason why. It's not complicated or something that's hard to understand. When you think about when you're designing solutions or you're offering a service or you're creating a product, all you have to ask yourself is why am I doing this and who is this for? So when you start to put that user at the front of your design and you think, okay, so I'm creating this solution, who's actually going to be completing it? By putting them at the core of your design, you actually create something that they're likely to engage with and use and that helps you meet your goal. So really it's like the whole reason behind whatever you're creating is impacted by the people that are gonna be engaging with it. And if you don't understand them, then you don't understand what you're solving and you're probably gonna solve the wrong problem or create something that won't inspire people or get people to change their behavior. So what benefits can a healthcare service, cause that's like our case study, um, expect by considering the needs of their employees and or their patients? Um, 
Well, to begin with, I think for employees, by considering their needs, you can help improve their experience as employees. So you can create a culture and an environment where they're enjoying what they're doing and they're in a workplace that makes sense and things aren't frustrating and they can do what they're passionate about and basically be the best that they can be in their role because their environment and their work contributes to that and enables that. And then I also think, because we speak about how employee experience is connected to the customer experience, I feel that if that experience is good, it also trickles down onto the patient experience because they're dealing with happier people, people who are working towards their passion, they're getting what they want from their job and they're able to support the patient in the way that like they want to. So I think that's really important. And then for the patients, like there's so many benefits. When you think about when you go see a doctor or you go um, engage in a service in the healthcare industry, you may notice that sometimes things aren't that right to you or something things might not make sense or you might not get what you wanted from the appointment or you might have felt uncomfortable. And if as a provider or a medical service, if you don't understand what it's like for your patient and you don't know what their experience is with you, then you don't know whether you're providing them with what they need or having an impact on them. And that's the whole point of healthcare services. Like they're here to serve patients and create a difference in their lives and help them be healthy and live a long and healthy life. And if you don't understand what their experience is with your service, then it's very unlikely or it'd be a lot harder to know whether you're actually having an impact on them. So yeah, I feel like by considering the patients and understanding what their experience is like, you can create a service that makes a difference and it'll help you be, meet your goals as well, ultimately. Mm, yeah. And I think one of the things, one of the um, activities that you recommend is a customer journey map, they're called. Mm -hmm. So you people can just Sorry. Google what that is. So you can do it, you, your customer or your user that Hannah is speaking about in this instance could be an employee and or a patient, right? So that's a way to, it's a practical tool or process that people can do to empathize better and understand the true problem that exists, which is what kind of summarizing what you were saying there. So talk us through an example of how people can undertake a journey map, maybe from a patient's perspective, if they were, I don't know, in a waiting room. Yeah, so it's such a cool tool because it basically enables you to step into the shoes of your patient and understand what the experience is like for them. And a way you can do it is, is you can actually like go through the process that the patient would. So or you could just get like someone to do it for you and record their observation of what it was like. And what you can consider is, so say for example, you wanted the patient to walk into the waiting room, um, like speak to the receptionist, sit down and wait for the doctor. And you wanted to understand what that experience was like. You would get someone to go through that experience and get them to record what they're thinking. So what thoughts go through their head, um, what they're feeling. So what emotions are they having? Um, and then what are they doing? So what are they needing to do to get the service that they're wanting. So some things that may come up is say someone walks into the waiting room and they're looking and they can't find the reception desk. And maybe the reception desk is around the corner and they need to like turn, go around the corner behind a wall to find it. 
So what you would record is um, looking for the reception desk, you might be confused and you're thinking like, where do I go? And then that might cause like stress because you're like embarrassed because you can't find the desk. Um, so yeah, it's basically just going through the journey that your patients would. So getting them, getting someone to experience that patient journey and just recording all of the observations that they have. And that will help you to understand if there's gaps or things that you could improve or ways to make the experience better. Yeah, it's a really cool tool. Well, I have, because this video is based on a blog that Hannah's written um, to demonstrate hu how human-centered design can be used specifically in uh, healthcare. So the link's in the description if you want to read that. But this is like an e excerpt, I hate that word, I can never say it, from <laughs> the, um, from her blog. And it does, just quickly to show you what she's saying in terms of how you observe and then you document it, we've got think, feel, do. And then we've got the different tasks up the top, like what, what has been done by the person and what went on in each of them. So when someone documents that observation of what that person, that journey that the customer has been on, and specifically here, what the patient has thought, felt and done when they went into the waiting room of the uh, health service that they were going into, We've got that data now. What can people do with that? How is it useful? How should they use it? Um, well, I think once you have that data, it's around understanding what you can change. And so, okay, there's a few things going on in my head. So we've spoken about before where when you get feedback, you don't always have to change, like make changes with the feedback that you've got. So what you would do is you would gather the feedback or come up with um, a process where you can look at the different feedback that's come through or the observations that you've had. And what we do is, is we identify key themes. So you would get a few different people to do it or you would interview a few different people and observe the environment a few different times. And then you're, what you would do is you would look at that output and you would go, okay, it looks like a lot of people seem to not find the reception desk. And if it seems to be a theme and it's something that's happening consistently, then that indicates that it's potentially something that you should consider changing. Um, it does range from like simple changes. So through doing that process, you might see something that's like super simple that you could fix. So it could be like maybe the sign on the wall, there's like glare that comes through the window and no one can read it. So it could be like moving the sign two centimeters to the right or something like that. So little things like that, I think that you can change. Um, bigger things, I think it does take a little bit more thought and what we would recommend and what we do as a team is we do the impact, what's it called again? The impact. And ease matrix. Ease and impact, that's it, yeah. The ease and impact diagram. So you think about how easy is it going to be for us to create this change or do something about this? And then what impact is it going to have? And you plot that on a graph and it helps you to decide, is it worth taking the action to fix that, um, taking into account the impact it's going to have and how easy it is to do that? So that would be my yeah. recommendations. But I think the cool thing is like little things will pop up and little things can make such a big difference. Like it might be the most simple fix that could really make a difference to the patient experience so just by doing that process can yeah it doesn't need to be difficult I don't think mm. 
Yeah, you can notice something in 10 minutes. It's not like you got to yeah. sit there all day. Yeah. You just, just the awareness piece really, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like a different lens. Like if you approach things mm -hmm. with a human-centered design lens, you're sort of like aware of things and you're seeing things in a different light and that helps you to create change from big to yeah. small change, depending on what it mm. is. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Well, that is uh, leads on to another question. So thank you for that segue, um, <laughs> which is around another practical exercise that people can do to help take a human-centered design approach to their work. Um, and this is a persona. So it's a really nice exercise for people that aren't aware to step out of your own world's perspective and step into the perspective of someone else, just like Hannah's described. Um, and basic, basically, it's like it answers the question, who are we serving? So I'm actually going to pull up our persona template and there's heaps on Google. So just um, go Google them if you want and find one. But Hannah, I'd love to pull up ours and screen share. And if you could talk us through with your patient weight room example that you've started building on, can you talk us through how people would complete a persona to understand the patients and their customers to begin with? So I guess this would actually be something that they do. I probably should have asked this question first. Was a persona before they would do the customer map? Um, but yeah, I'll just pull it up. Can you give Great me Great idea, Kim. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Another thing I'll just share with people watching or listening as well, there's a really cool um, persona template. It's called, it's on HubSpot, H-U-B-S-P-O-T. And it's like an online persona generator where you can enter in the information and it generates a nice report. So if you are looking for a good one, check that one out and I'll put it in the description below too. Cool. Thanks for that extra bonus share. <laughs> Bit of value there. All right, so <laughs> This is our persona template um, and they're all pretty similar. But yeah, if you could, what we want to do is get out of Hannah, the expert um, human centered design practitioner, instructional designer person. Mm -hmm. And you might, this is the thing that will help our patients in our healthcare service be better. And instead you want to empathize and really understand who your patients are. So could you kind of live complete this for us? Yeah, definitely. So what you would do is, let's say, for example, it's um, a dentist practice that your um, that's what your practice is. So what you would do is you would think about, okay, what would be our most common customer? And it might be, um, let's give them a name. So the name helps you personify yep. the person and helps like make them more real. So let's say if it was, say, 40-year-old women was like your general, <laughs> like the type of person or customer that you would have in your practice. You could say like, um, say Jose Josephine. Let's go with Josephine. <laughs> can't even spell. There's all the Josephines out there. It's more my fingers. We'd normally have an image up here. Yep. So she's 40. Yeah, 40. Um, there are parts you can skip in the template. So I don't think it really, you tell me if you think differently though, Kim, but for this particular example, I don't know if you'd need to put their industry in. 
Um, yeah, well, I guess this one we could be like, um, maybe it is like, you know, it could be, I guess, if they're in a mining town, a lot I, of the people might be, you know, from the mining industry. So there would be, that's a niche that you can kind of target your language, your messaging, your questions when you're trying to build rapport with your customers in. So that's how I would use it for that example. If it's yeah. in a city, you could adapt that as well to yeah, be like cool, office actually. worker or government, like they generally tend to be, because if we're in the CBD, there's heaps of government um, workers around. So maybe that's the majority of the clientele. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool actually thinking about the location and what sort of people would be in that location. And like you said, you can adjust the language and the way you communicate to them and serve them. I love yeah. it. Because I think the benefit of doing a persona like this is you you can use it to your for your tasks, for your initiatives. But what that actually looks like is what is the messaging? Who are we speaking to? Who are we serving? How can we use this in our marketing? How can we use this in all of our communications, whether that's written or verbal? How can we use this in uh, the feedback that we're seeking from people? Mm -hmm. How do we use it in our photos? Or yeah, it definitely can inform to have a more meaningful connection with your people that you're serving. Yeah, love it. Right, back to back to Josephine. What would you like me to put in industry? Um, let's go an office worker. We'll say the practices in the CBD. And her role. Yep, love it. Um, let's go executive assistant. Cool. Love it. So this is interesting. Would you put their role expectations in here, Kim? Um, so this, yeah, what we're trying to do live right now is adapt what we do mm. um, from working internally with clients. So I guess her expectations of us as the dentist practice is what yeah. we want to put in here. Yeah, cool. I like that. Um, okay, so the expectations would be, I guess, whatever they go in for, it's resolved. Mm. So, for example, if they have a sore tooth then or sore gum, then if they go in there, they probably expect it to be resolved or at least a plan made. Yep. Um, I think they would expect like friendliness from the staff. Yep. Um, so what I'm doing for everyone listening and watching, I'm stepping into the shoes of Josephine and thinking if I was her going into this practice, what would my expectations be? Hmm. Um, I think I'd be expect, I'd want to know like what the price is before I go in and get something done. Like that would be an expectation of mine. Mm -hmm. Feel free to jump in too, Kim, if you think of anything. No, you're doing good. Um, I think that's enough. People are yeah, getting that for now. <laughs> yep. My goal. so the goals. Yep. So goals of Josephine. So Josephine's goals, I think, would be to have whatever she went in there for resolved. 
Yeah. So this is what happens. Sometimes we go, okay, it doesn't quite fit there anymore. Yeah. It's over here. So this is her expectations of the staff and the service that she's gone in for. But what goals Josephine has is she wants a resolution or she wants a plan agreed on. Yeah. Love it. Will she have any other goals? Um, I feel like she might want to get out on time, like not have a delay. Good one. Yeah. Maybe she has to her appointments, like she finishes work um, and she's trying to get into her appointment and then go and collect some children from school. So, you know, she's on a time constraint. Yeah. And that delay can have huge implications on her well-being, the kids' well-being, mm -hmm. the staff that might need to wait back behind school when she's getting them collected. Yeah. So it's important to consider, yeah, what's going on in Josephine's life, um, which then I would say get out on time and start on time. Yeah. I'm just maybe, yeah, because I'm speaking from personal experience when yeah. I have appointments, there tends to be a, a general 15-minute wait time <laughs> on these kinds of appointments. Yeah, definitely. Uh, more goals for Josephine got any um I think that's enough for now for this example okay I think I would want to just maybe add like she doesn't want to be in pain afterwards <laughs> because she has life to get on with so yeah. that might be something like I know I even think about a dentist I think where it's it's called like no pain dental so maybe that came about because like there's this whole fear around, I don't want to go to the dentist. It's so scary. It seems to be a real cultural thing. Yeah. So potentially they did, they empathized with the audience and figured out, well, people are scared of being hurt at the dentist. If we call our um, dental practice, no pain dental, then maybe we will kind of debunk that fear or that stigma and more people will come, which will make us a busier practice. That's yeah. actually a true story. I believe it's a place in Perth, Australia. Wow, really? And they are one of the yeah, most successful kind of, um, like their sales and their customer experience wow. went way up when they called that. That's so cool. I love that. All right. What's her challenges, Josephine's? Um, I would say, like you were saying, people tend to have like a fear. So I think Josephine mm. could be like slightly fearful of the pain that she's going to experience. Yeah. Um, I think another one would be like worried that she'll embarrass herself by like saying if something's hurting because, yeah, I know I've done that before. I've been to the dentist and I'm like, my pride gets in the way and I'm like, even if it hurts, don't say something, just get through it. And that, uh, yeah. Like when she's in the chair? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Challenges, I think like worry about the price. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So basically you kind of see what's playing out here. So what I want people to do is just reflect on how they might have thought about where we started with this. Now getting a sense of putting ourselves into the shoes of Josephine, who's going to visit a dentist. 
just reflect on how you perceive her differently and how you might think about if you were creating something for her, whether you're doing an initiative that impacts Josephine, whether you're undertaking a task that impacts Josephine, just have a think about by spending however many, even just the simple short version of this that we've done, how that makes you think about Josephine and the impact that you can have on her differently. Mm, love it. Do you want to share any, we'll kind of finish up on the persona, but do you want to share anything else, Hannah, that you would encourage for people to? Um, I think it like it's just to reinforce the importance of the persona and just taking the time to step into the shoes of that end user. Because I know even I then I was trying, but it was probably like the pressure of being on video. <laughs> I couldn't like completely get there, but just like when you're doing it, take the time and sit there and imagine that you are that person and what would it be like if you were in that experience? So with yeah. you coming up with like, there's, she'll probably have other commitments afterwards, things like that you can miss if you don't step into the shoes of the user. So I think it's so important and it's so useful to do it because once you have a persona, you can have that visible, whether it's visible in your practice or visible in the office or on your phone or wherever you want to have it. And that can help you make decisions that aligns with your patients or your customers needs so if yeah. you think about the meetings that you have as a team if you're making decisions you can have that persona there and think is this decision going to negatively or positively impact my patient and you can really mm. it really helps you to make good decisions and provide the best service that you can for your patient it's really I love that question mm. is this decision or this action I'm about to take going to positively or impact positively or negatively mm. impact the person that I'm designing for it's so good That's to cool. think about isn't it yes sometimes definitely. we do like we get into business mode where we're like we'll do this because it'll make it quicker for us or like it'll be mm -hmm. easier for the employees but it's so important to think about how is that going to impact the experience of our customers yeah. patients definitely very impactful I think um, just to share as well, like a persona or any of these activities, you can do them solo. So you can just go and type it up yourself and do your best. And maybe you will make some assumptions because you don't have access to all the information um, or you might have to yeah, make some assumptions. But the other thing is that it's easier to see how Hannah and I were bouncing off each other. And maybe Josephine has a family or someone, she has to pick up some people in her care from school. Mm -hmm. So doing it in a group it's like you can choose either are there any other practical um kind of tools that you would recommend to help people apply human-centered design um yeah so there are tools but I'm just gonna can I just share something that I think is really useful as well it's like a real life yeah. thing that you can do to help and I think this is like had a really big impact on the way I've been able to conduct human-centered mm. design so what I do is, and everyone listening and watching, giving it a go, give it a go. When you're out in the world or you're interacting with a server service or you're purchasing a product or you're experiencing a company, step into the shoes of what's well, like, be aware of what's happening around you and you are the end user and just really notice what's happening. So what I do now is when I go to the doctor or if I go to a shop or I engage with a service, like I really look at what's happening around me and it's almost like I have a new lens where I can see, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That doesn't make sense to me. Like I wonder if they've thought about my experience and just by doing that, it can really 
help your brain start to think in a human-centered design way and it helps you apply it more to your own projects Mm. so that's yeah probably one thing I'd share that's really useful just to get you like started on that journey that's cool can do you have any examples I'm just thinking where you've been out witnessing because we're using the healthcare case study try to do that one but you can do it if it's like a shopping center or whatever but when you've been out and you've gone wow they actually have considered my needs and that's why my experience was better oh interesting I thought you were gonna ask the opposite then I was like I've definitely got an example of the opposite um Yeah, so I think there's a medical practice near where I near where I live, mm. and I think they do things really well. So I always have a really good experience there. And I know I've told you about it before, where the doctor is just like very empathetic. He listens to exactly what I'm expressing to him, um, and I always leave knowing exactly what I need to do and what. Like I always have the next steps and feel like really comfortable with him. He like explains things really well. So he explains things in like really simple terms to help me like understand why I'm experiencing a certain thing. Um, So that's probably an example of, I don't know if it's the human or the way that he's been trained, but the way that he handles Mm. me as a patient is like incredible. Mm. yeah he's even, yeah he's on like my vision board for like that is an incredible human being and that's just because he is so empathetic and he considers the people that he's serving and yeah it's so that's really cool impactful. <laughs> that's cool I think as well like you see it now um even just you know we've got if you think about going into a practice and like this with the COVID stuff and just simple things like arrows on the floor, like to keep Mm. that everyone knows 1.5 meters, but we become fatigued with that. That's just now language. We don't actually know what 1.5 looks like, but when they have in the practices it on the floor, you have a very cement thing to Mm. go. I need to stand here and I only move forward when the next one is free and the entrance exit. So it's, there's such simple things, but to stop spread, that spread is saying, this is the entrance, keep right. And then having a little like continuous green line to take you on that journey that keeps you away from everyone that's sitting in the waiting room, for example, you get up to the, um, the desk, you do your thing. And when you leave this and a red line, which is marked exit, and it's taking you out on another safe journey. So those things, they're very human centered design, because we could just say, come in and out. But when we have them, they allow us to as a, a patient, to not have to think, because we are flustered, generally, not everyone's like, like having a great time going into a health practice. <laughs> So we're already stressed about what might be going on in our bodies or getting results or whatever it is. So it's not the most peaceful experience to be a patient in the first place. So by a practice, doing a simple thing like that makes our lives easier as a customer because we don't have to think. They've made our lives easier and they have a bigger knock-on effect because they're obviously keeping us safe from others and further infection and spread and they're they're just small little examples but you can see that that is a human-centered approach Mm -hmm. as opposed to just everyone sitting in the weight room together and people bumping into each other and not knowing where to 
going on going oh I'm definitely social distancing right now but they're not you know yeah so I think you're making our lives easier which is really cool yeah yeah I love that there's so many examples for way that things can be improved like an example I have is my dad had cancer and he got sent to the emergency department and if they like he was sitting with people who were sick and like people who had like the flu or like vomiting bugs and he obviously had no immune system being on chemotherapy and he was very unwell and I always thought like if they'd used a human-centered design approach cancer patients would have been part of their audience because cancer patients are sent to emergency and if they stepped into the shoes of a cancer patient what would they be thinking they'd be thinking I have no immune system I can't be near anyone who's sick and then from mm. that, like a potential solution could be a separate waiting room for people with cancer. So they're not around people who, people who are unwell. Or So that's another example of a way, like just thinking about the people and what their experience would be like and what their situation is can really change what you offer as a service. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. And I think that kind of, if we come to the end now, it's like there are many problems that are preventable. Mm. and I think we have a responsibility to not settle for the status quo um because like it's what's worse remaining the same or spending a little bit of effort like some of the things that we've shared today and doing it a bit better for bigger impact you decide but yeah thank you Hannah for sharing your tips uh the link to the blog will be in the description and if this kind of stuff resonates with you it we are super passionate about it so have a look in the description as well for a way that we can help you um maybe think about how you want to bring it to your medical service or your healthcare practice we would love to support you this is a personal project that is really meaningful to us at Bell Vista Studios we can help you with the persona side of things or just basically help you adopt human-centered design and partner with you to get the results that you are obviously watching this video to achieve because you're already interested so thank you for watching thanks Hannah what's up awesome human Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz, could I be a better instructional designer? That has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you wanna solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute that's us um but we've got the coaching courses freebies give us gratitude and also we've got some templates and basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design instructional design and e-learning so a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio so putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs so there's the human-centered design stuff and then we've also got the business stuff so this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world so go check it out the link is in the description you can check out everything that is available for you 
Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff. Share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.